Well, let's get started, shall we? Now, I'm going to become the antagonist, and you guys are going to be the protagonist. And so I'm going to throw out a couple of questions. Uh, some of them are going to be curveballs. Some of them are going to be things that I don't even believe, but it's some of the things that I've heard. And we're just going to try to get some answers to them. So let's start off with the, the topic for tonight, which is the Beatitudes. Um, I'm going to ask Brother John if you would give us your understanding of what the purpose of the Beatitudes are. as a new Moses um, he's on the mountain and he's giving these new rules or laws or principles to which the people of God are to, are to abide by and so the writer goes through great lengths of painting Jesus as this new mosaic figure who ushers in a new sense of justice restorative justice and grace as well as truth and of course it's going to be the preamble statements to the whole salt and light uh, ordeal that the writer later is going to present to us. It's also anti-imperial. It's against that of the Roman authorities. It's about meekness rather than ruling with an iron fist. It's about uh, those who will inherit the earth rather than those who take over the earth. It's about really the reign and rule of God as opposed to usurped authority. Or an force. Uh, what do you think, Kenan? What's the purpose of the Beatitudes to, for you? No, I totally agree with uh, what John just said. Um, I think the purpose of the Beatitudes, honestly, uh, the first thing we have to uh, realize is that it is probably the most relevant uh, sermon or uh, because we it comes from the Sermon on the Mount, uh, so it's like the most relevant sermon of all times. Uh, even when you think that okay, well we we've accomplished this, we've conquered that, we've gotten over that, this sermon still plays to so many people, and of course uh, to us even now today in 2020, it becomes even more relevant as to you know the the separation of these eight or so principles uh these principles that uh that like like brother john's uh is talking about pastor john's talking about um these principles that that jesus gives uh are these characteristics uh that jesus gives uh they're they're all good things and um what most people may think of it as is like uh like john said uh like a new ten commandments uh it's, it's like the new commandments of, okay, well, what is what is Jesus talking about? How should I live as a Christian? How should I live uh, as a follower of Christ? Um, and it, it shows us, uh, it shows us so many different things, but it shows us, echoing what uh, Pastor John said, it shows us exactly uh, the meekness of it and feeling as if, okay, hey, well, if I, if I do this or, or if I go through this, it's kind of like, even though I go through bad times, I'm, I'm Jesus is still, you know, I still love the earth. Jesus is still there with me, um, and I can make it through it. Okay. So now, uh, Pastor Jackson, um, hearing what you've heard thus far between the two notables, uh, tell me, um, is there anything else that they left out that you might be able to um, um, extract from it? 
The purpose well, of the Beatitudes? Well, I wouldn't say if, um, anything left out, but I, um, just a different spin. I, um, I look at the Beatitudes as um, Christ setting um, our altitude gauge. Um, it's like um, preparing um, us to, um, um, what is, to be able to ascend spiritually and live a higher spiritual life and not go by what it looks like here, um, but go by what it actually is. He's saying, this is what you see. I mean, for um, for in this realm, um, this is what you'll probably see. You'll see the poor at heart. You'll see um, some things, but I want you to see on the other side of this, uh, on the other side of this. And I, I see it as as Christ setting us up to be able to reach our highest heights in Him, right? By having the correct attitude, which then determines our altitude. So. The Beatitudes for me actually um, uh, is it, just like Pastor John says, it actually could very well be um, a new set of commandments, but um, they're not commandments in the sense that you've got to um, not do things. It's commandments in the sense that uh, of the way I, I want you to think and the way I want you to see things. I, want, I don't want you to see and look in this realm. I want you to look beyond what you actually see uh, to get to where you actually need to be. Okay. So, okay. yeah, 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 we're good. So, so John, um, let me ask you this then. At what point in time in the process of um, proselytization do we introduce the Beatitudes to someone? use a very strong word there um, we don't use much in my context but I think that as people the whole relational piece Jesus is relational and in order to uh, be a part of what he is doing and what God is doing through him takes one to simply follow him it's what he throws out 20 sometimes to his, those who will be his disciples to follow him means you embrace his teachings and of course, these are a series of sermons that um, I think very early on, one who is newly baptized or um, a new convert from another religion would be well to do. I mean, Muslims know about the Beatitudes and, and, and so many other people, uh, Buddhists and, and so many, because these are basically universal principles mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. to embrace and live by. But I think very early on, I mean, it should be a part of your uh, catechism or your uh, program of instruction that, and, and then point to it as something that is relevant for our day and time. Not that you're held to uh, actually do these things, but realize that these things are what the Christian life or the Jesus follower life, more importantly, is about. Um, and Jesus modeled everything that he points to. That's true. Okay, so then, then tell me something, Keenan. Uh, who do, who do you think the beatitudes are meant for? Are they meant for uh, is it meant for the ones who are 
walking with Christ? Are there, is there the ones that's not walking with Christ? Who who are they for? I think the uh, just like Pastor John said, um, these are uh, kind of uh, universal uh, principles. I wouldn't say rules, but uh, the universal principles that that a lot of people do live by, um, and these principles can be set towards or for any and everyone who's who accepts um now of course the scripture says you know for those who follow me this is you know these this is what's going to happen this is what's going to you know this is what it's going to be so if you follow christ if you if you profess to say hey i follow christ this is uh probably equal to the fruits of the spirit uh just like we know the fruits of the spirit we should also know the beatitudes uh, to know that okay, hey, well, this is what I this is what I can this is what I get from God. This is what God blesses me with, uh, and this is how I, I this is how I am in return. This is my attitude, just like Pastor Queen uh, Jackson was saying. This, this is my attitude. This is what uh, makes up my attitude as a Christian, as a follower of Christ. Uh, so that you know, on 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 the other end. Um, you know, if, if, if I bless those, uh, blessings will come back to me, stuff like that. Um, so I would say it's for any and everybody, but it's especially for, uh, the follower of Christ or who says, Hey, I follow Christ. And if you do follow Christ, uh, this is what your attitude should be. I should be able to go back in scripture and say, Hey, Matthew five says da, 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 da. And if you profess to be a follower of Christ, I, you should also believe what Christ said. So if 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 I um if I'm a Christian but I don't believe in the beatitudes, I ain't a Christian. If you're a Christian but you don't believe right. in the beatitudes. Right. I ain't turning the cheek and I ain't gonna be meek, bruh. No. But I still love God. You don't love God? What's wrong with you? <laughs> Doesn't always mean turning the cheek. So I, no, I can cut their ears off. Uh, so I guess. <laughs> so I guess. I guess. I guess. What, what, what I'm saying here is, if we, if we're following, <laughs> you, if if you are a Christian, if you profess to be a Christian, if you profess to be a follower of Christ, these are some key principles. Are some key things that should rely within your heart. Uh, to say that, hey, I may I may slip up sometimes. I may not be meek a hundred percent of the time, but I know to be being meek means to you know uh, be a follower of Christ, or that those are certain principles that follow Christ. Uh, being meek to to bless uh, be, blessings come upon those who mourn. I'm not always in mourning, but I know that if I do find myself in mourning, in mourning, that there's a blessing upon that. As well. Okay, but yeah, but what I'm what I'm trying to get to is how do we separate this out? Uh, Because if they're universal, and and other religions have them, and and up the Buddhists, the Muslims, uh, if everybody has this ideal, then what makes it so Christian? If everybody else has it, what makes it so different? Brother John, can you help me with that? Uh, Queen and Pastor John. Brother John, can you help me with that? I don't think there. Yeah, one of the, one of the, oh, go on, John, I'm sorry. No, go ahead, Pastor. No, one of of the things that I'd like to say, I think, um, before, um, 
our meek means, Christ's meek means the exact opposite. It takes a strong person to be humble enough to be slapped and not move or retaliate. That's strength. That isn't weakness. Do you understand what I'm saying? Yeah, I, no, no, no. I understand. What I'm trying to get is how we're going to get them to understand. So, See, so we Christians, so we know this. But they not. They not, and they don't know this, and I'm trying to figure out how do we get it to them. So, we, the first thing we do is we ask them, well, what does meekness mean to you? I mean, you define meekness, and then that gives us an opportunity to help them with their definition, to help them to see a better way. Now, that's just me in my perspective. Um, that's just how, I mean, I catch it with the millennials in my church. I'm I sure mean, you do. I, 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 I call them, I catch, it, I catch it with them because of my tolerance level with them. Because they think Are <laughs> oh, you not being meek and mild with them? <laughs> You're not being meek and mild with them? <laughs> well, I mean, I, I, I am meek and mild because some of them might be wanting to jump on the show. So, I'm exercising uh, restraint. You know what I'm saying? Um, so, so and, and they'll tell you, I, I, to the point where I have them labeled M1. He's the he's head millennial in our church. I call him M1 because he leads the rest of the millennials good, bad, or indifferent, you know what I'm saying? So, anyway, they gang up on, on me. They don't bother to pass around, but they like to um, talk to me about meekness because that's not a part of my character trait. And so they know that somewhere this humble person isn't for real because if I push her hard enough, she's going to come out swinging. Uh-oh. But I can never come out swinging because it's a decision that I make. Um, it's to have to have the right attitude. It's all it's all about uh, decision making, right? Okay. Deciding that Christ's way is a better way. Now, so there, Christ's a, way is truly the only. Now there there is at least um, some say eight, some say nine, some say twelve. Um, beatitudes. Now, out of those. Which do you think is the most challenging aspect? I heard you talking, us talking a lot about the meekness part. But there are some other parts that, you know, that's just one of eight, nine, ten, or twelve. So what do we think is, do we think meekness is the, the, the most challenging aspect of Beatitudes? What you think, Brother John? King. 
and anti-violence, and yet violence is the way he went out. And so the hardest part of it is the Beatitudes themselves, um, and to realize how, and I think it's going to be different for all of us, how these fit into our personal devotional uh, lives. That, make, that makes sense to me. So I'm going to ask you now, KB, which one you having problems with? <laughs> which one am I having problems with? I will say, for, for me, for me in this moment, there's two that catch my eye. Uh, for not only just for, for me, uh, but for the African-American race or uh, black people um, and whole Black Lives Matter and all that, uh, all the racial tension that we're having in our world today. I think the one that gets me is in verse six. It says, uh, "God blesses those who hunger and thirst for justice, uh, for they will be satisfied." Right. Right. Uh, and then you go down to, uh, then you go down to God uh, ten verse ten. God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. This is. Uh, New New Living Translation. Uh, God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So when you when you when you even speak of those two, I put those two side by side. Uh, just like uh, brother uh, that Pastor John was saying, um, it's kind of it's kind of difficult because it says you, you're you're telling me that things are going to get better, but even. Uh, the people who who Jesus spoke these words to did not see that get better. Our ancestors did not see that get better. So are we saying, well, hey, fight for Jesus on this side, and then when you get to heaven, it's going to be all right? Or, you know, are we, we're painting a picture of uh, the afterlife will be better than the now life. You get what I'm saying? Like, what, what, what exactly are we saying? Uh, so I think those two um, are, are the most Challenging, challenging for me at the moment. Okay. What do you think, Pastor Jackson? I think all of them are equally as challenging um, because all of them go against our natural um, mm. beings. Mm-hmm. All of us, mm-hmm. all of them require us to get out of ourselves um, and, and to get out of our will and put ourselves and trust ourselves in the will of God. And so I, I just think, I don't think any one of them um, is an easy um, thing to do. I, I apologize for that. Um, all of them are just very difficult. And, so, and, and it's difficult by, by design. If it was easy, then the reward wouldn't be so great. But for each one of them, behind each one of them, Christ has great rewards, right? Stacked up behind each one of them. Am I right about it? So yep. each, all of them, all of them. I, I struggle with all of them at any given time. Okay, see, here, see, now we see now. This is like twenty-one, right? And this is what I was talking about earlier. See, um, because we're giving the answer to a question. In which we know the answer to. Because we live this life. Um, we, we've prayed for those who have spitefully used us and abused us. Amen. We've forgiven those who've done wrong to us. 
that's trespassed against us. Uh, we've done the meek thing. Wash feet. Uh, bless those that cursed us. So we know this. Our challenge that I'm asking us to consider this evening is how do we teach that? It's modeled. I mean, I don't think this is a list of things that you must do in order to prove your Christianity. I think these are things that, because they're a series of sermons, they are ways of pointing us to conform more to what Jesus' ideas of God's kingdom is. So how do we practically live in peace with people? Uh, that's something anybody from uh, 10 to whatever could understand. How do you live peacefully? How do you um, celebrate and love and, and do the work of justice? I mean, these are principles or, or sermons that... Um, are able to be not as a litmus test, but as something that you conform to because you're a disciple of Jesus. So you you aspire to uh, be these things or to recognize that they even exist. Because if we want to talk about the laws of Jesus, right, he gives two commandments and that's it. And they're about love. Mm -hmm. But I think these are lessons or, or, uh, discipleship disciplines that one could use to just model their life, not necessarily taking it as it says, just like that, but to, how do I look more like Jesus if we would? And if this looks like Jesus, then I'm going to kind of try to live it out. So participating in, in, in youth ministry or collegiate ministry, uh, finding missions projects to do, uh, feeding people during COVID. I mean, this is a way of living out the beloved community. And I think it conforms us more to the image of Jesus. And I think young people can do that. Uh, elderly people and seniors can do it. Millennials, anybody can do it. An able-bodied person. And even those with differences of abilities often find ways to do this. So do you, do you think this ideal of the Beatitudes, um, do they preach? Today? Go ahead, KB. Preacher. I don't think, I don't think. Preacher. This is just me. This is just me growing up in church uh, the way that I did. And Do they the preach, time. preacher? Do they preach? <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to give my introduction. <laughs> but no, I, I think, honestly, uh, with me being honest, I think. Um, the Beatitudes are not preached. Uh, they're not preached enough. They're not talked about enough. Um, and like I said before, I feel as if we put a lot of emphasis on the fruits of the Spirit. We put a lot of emphasis on the commandments of, of, of Moses. We, we put a lot of emphasis on uh, uh, what is it? The, the, the um, uh, what am I thinking about? Like the helmet of uh, salvation, the breastplate of righteousness. We, we, the we armor have, of God. We put a lot of emphasis on all of those things, right? Uh, but then for some odd reason, we we leave out the Beatitudes. And the crazy thing 
thing is, like I said, I started preaching at a very young age. I think I was like 15 or 16. I went to go preach at a church. And I preached, I, I preached this, this, these scriptures uh, in Matthew chapter 5. And I did not know that they were the Beatitudes. Hmm. I did not, I, I didn't know. I didn't know until somebody came up to me afterwards and was like, oh, that was, that was good. That was a good illustration of the Beatitudes. And I was like, the beat what? It wasn't red. It, them words wasn't red in your Bible. <laughs> they should have been red. <laughs> I, I was like, the, the B one. I didn't know. I didn't know. You know, I think I was reading King James without the headers and all that. So I didn't even know what the were. Uh, so it, that that for me, that experience was like, wait, why don't we know? You know, I actually uh, one of these scriptures have become like one of my favorite uh, uh, of the you know the your prayer heart shall see God. That's what I live by, uh, you know. Uh, but I'm like, do we teach these enough? Do we preach these enough? Do we talk about these enough? I don't think so. Do they preach, Queen? Um, I think he's yeah. They preach, um, and and they preach. Uh, they they are uh, what's my word? Efficacious um, in every sense of the, uh, sense of the word, but. Um, they teach ah. as well as they preach. See, that's, okay. You, see, you, now you messed up my next question, but go ahead. <laughs> so, uh, as, as, as pastors, uh, um, especially as pastors, um, we have a responsibility. Our responsibility um, is to teach the word of God so that it could be applied yes. properly. Yes. Um, so that we can enrich our lives. One thing I have learned about young adults or millennials, they don't necessarily care for a whole lot of preaching, um, but they will allow you to teach them. I mean, they have a hunger to be taught. And so we, uh, we, we need um, to slow down some and, and, and give them what they need so that they can make it to where they need to need to go, but absolutely they 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 preach, but they teach uh, equally as well. Okay, so bro, John. So she, bro, John. She stole my she stole my next question. So because I know you're the teacher. So can can you give us a a a rendition of how you would teach the Beatitudes? Yes. Well, again, I would compare it and, and interpret it through the lens of practical Christian living, how we live our daily lives, how we are conformed to the image of Christ. So what we do in word and in deed um, would point to living out these teachings of Jesus. And so if I was to, I wouldn't just have a bunch of uh, young people sitting in like a BTU class or something, but I would have them actually doing hands-on ministry. So um, during COVID, there are plenty of things you can do, cutting someone's grass to um, various ways of ministering. And these are not our object lessons. Remember, Jesus was not in the classroom teaching this. He Correct. was outside on a mountain. Correct. Uh, and he's giving them these sermons. Uh, so I think that's what how I would teach it. If I was to teach it, it would be taught through life experience. 
that as we do these things, and then you allow your participants to see how this relates back to uh, what Jesus has said. Okay, uh, okay, KB. So I'm back on you again now. Uh, not to be picking on you, but I'm just I'm just trying to figure it out. Okay. So now we recognize that there are some things that ought to be preached, and then there are some things that ought to be taught. And in the teaching of the Beatitudes, um, we realize, just like uh, Pastor uh, John is saying that the object lessons are the most important thing. So why do we spend so much time preaching? Uh, why, do, why do we spend so much time preaching? Preaching in general? Yeah. Or, yeah. Okay, I think, I think um, <laughs> for, for, the, for my Baptist and Pentecostal background... And I, don't, don't hum when you finish. And, don't, don't hum either when you finish. <laughs> <laughs> and because uh, I love to, preach. I, love to preach. I hear, I love hearing preaching. I love to, I love to preach myself. I love it. And Pastor Jay knows this about me. That's why he keeps asking me. Yeah, you churchy. So, you churchy. So I, I, I love, I love preaching. I love preaching. Uh, but as I've become a little bit more in depth in my studies and stuff like that, uh, I find that teaching is a lot more imperative. Um, for preaching, we do a lot of preaching. Because preaching comes easy. And I say this, I say preaching comes easy because it's easy to preach a story. Most times you hear a preacher preach, it's a story. Nine times out of the ten, it's either out of the Old Testament, which is a reenact, which which when I'm preaching it, I can reenact the story. Right? I can tell that, that's what they that's what they even teach us in preaching class. Tell the story. You get what I'm saying? That's what they that's what they emphasize. Tell the story. Tell the story. Tell the story. So when it comes to principles like these, it's easy for us to say uh, Jesus uh, uh, broke off some bread and and, and and multiplied some fish, and we're telling the story of what Jesus did. But then when we say, "Hey, preach the beatitudes," they're just like, "Wait, hold on." Well, when Jesus got up there. He, he cleared his throat first. Then he said, no, 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 no. There's no story behind the Beatitudes. You have to preach the principles of what these, of what these teachings are. So that's when, that's when it becomes, uh, that's when you have to switch it over. Now, I don't, I don't know if you can hoop your way out of the Beatitudes. I don't know. I, you would find a way. No, you would find a way to do it. <laughs> if there's somebody that could, bro, you can do it. <laughs> preaching in churches uh and, and like uh pastor queen said i'm a younger generation as much as the preaching at one point in time was amazing and we love to hear a good hum and a good holler and all that good stuff now this young generation can care less can care less if you're not really saying something that feeds their souls that they can actually uh grab hold to um and, and, and use it for the rest of their lives or for their for their for their daily living. Now there's a way to do it in preaching, but they can they can really care less about the running around and hollering and screaming over the mic. So when it comes to the beatitudes, you have to be able to uh, fervently sit down and say, "Hey, how do I teach this clearly enough?" Uh, and I think like well, piggybacking off what Pastor John said, uh, it, it would be amazing if you if you had the ability to 
to teach this as life lessons, like an everyday thing. You get what I'm saying? Because that's what you ultimately, that's what you want them to take away and you want them to reiterate this in their everyday living. So, yeah. Okay. Pastor Queen, preach or teach? They both. And so, um, and, and, and the reason I say that is... Yeah, I know. Here we go. <laughs> we just can't get... Or one or other, can we? We're going to have to get both of them Faith tonight. Comes <laughs> Faith comes by hearing, right? Yes. Right. Hearing by the word of God, right? Yes, yes. How can they hear? Right? Uh, yeah. Unless there's a preacher. Go on, preacher. You going to start humming? Or just sitting down and teaching. Oh, no. 
yeah. but I, I, I do think I do think when when you, you of course uh, there's a craft to it. People are, I always ask because I'm a young preacher. Like I, I started off preaching, like <laughs> hollering and didn't know what I was talking about. Uh, <laughs> uh, but there's there's a craft to it. There's an art to it. There's a, to both to teaching and preaching. And what I found out is that uh, when I put more emphasis in my teaching, the preaching becomes easy. The preaching is the celebration, the excitement, the you know the uh, the excitement about the word. Uh, but once you get the teaching down pat, uh, and once you can uh, clearly uh, you know get across what you're trying to say, that's what gets you excited to get to the next part. Uh, so yeah. So I, I I think what I'm hearing from from the body is that um, there are sometimes. When we must preach, and sometimes when you must teach the beatitudes, because if we go in and we're having a conversation with a young adult who uh, don't know the stories, um, uh, uh, having a conversation about um, David in the lion's den and Meshach, Meshach and Abednego, all that's over their head because they don't know the story. So then it becomes a matter of maybe just talking them through some of the other more important stories like the Sermon on the Mount. So I think what we as ministers of God um, can do to attract our young adults is to first engage them and without the ideal of trying um, to... Uh, we want to... A little bit. Um, what was your question? Are you asking what can we do? No, I'm, I'm saying, you know, uh, what I'm saying is I think I'm trying to sum up where, where we've gone with this question. And that's the ideal. Um, and that's the ideal of maybe understanding that who we're talking to and why we're talking to them. Because most young adults, if you start having a conversation with them, they are already going to know if you're talking to them because you want them to come to your church or if you're talking to them because you're talking to them and you just like them and there's nothing at the end of the string. So I think we have to learn how to decipher that uh, because they are well, they know it, it's almost in, uh, incensed in them. Um, you start out with a conversation, and they'll, they'll back away if they believe you're trying to take them somewhere that they don't want to go. And I think this is why it's important that what Dr. Um, what Dr. Harris is saying is that these object lessons um, happen on a daily that we can share, but we have to think about it and have them in our mind in terms of when we when we do engage them, because they're already um, thinking that you're a suspect anyways. You wear a cross or a collar, or you're walking around with a Bible, they're already going to try to just move you away. And, and, and I'll tell you this, and then I'll ask the next question. It's kind of like what happened with the term Baptist um, uh, for a long time. Uh, churches were missionary Baptist and that means that we got a mission and we used to go door to door and and spread the gospel 
And then after a while, people started equating that with, you know, maybe now you like Jehovah Witnesses. So now we're not missionary Baptists no more. We're just Baptists. And so now people say, oh, you're a Baptist? Okay, so they already got this mindset of what a Baptist is. So now we don't even use the word Baptist anymore in most of our naming of our newer churches. So it's that ideal. And it happens with our kids or our young adults or the Z generation is coming up. It's this ideal of being able to connect with them. And that's what Jesus did. He connected with his people. And he came to them and had them gather together so that they might follow him. But if the reason why we're following or having people follow us because we're following Jesus, then that's got to be the reason why. can't be because they're coming to your church or because you got food that you want to give them or you've got so many other things because these things today doesn't seem to be the thing that they're looking for. It seems that they're looking for a word. And rather we preach it or teach it, I think that's the most important thing. So, let me ask you this one question. And we're going to start off with uh, Dr. Harris because um, I like the way you talk, bro. So, which is the hard, which do you think is the hardest beatitude to follow? Well, probably in our day and age with racial tension, the whole idea of peacemakers. Ah. Um, because peacemakers get frustrated. Um, peacemakers get hurt. They get maced. They get sprayed. They get arrested uh, on chumped-up charges. Uh, peacemaking is a very difficult work. And so I think the hardest to follow, blessed are the peacemakers, Jesus says. Um, and... Again, back to what I said earlier, the fulfillment of that is not always realized. We don't always see the, the opposite side of what the reward for the peacemaker is. And most peacemakers are woke people, so they're not going for a pie-in-the-sky theology about over yonder you're going to get your reward when they beat you senseless here. I mean, even Paul wasn't going for that in Acts 16. He's a beat us in public, and then you want to secretly let us out yeah. the back door? No. <laughs> yeah. And so it's that whole idea of yeah. uh, peacemaking not be the easiest to follow, and thus it could be the hardest to follow. Gotcha. KB? I'm, I'm sorry, Minister Brinson? <laughs> no, um, I, I think um, right, right under that uh, where it says God blesses those who are persecuted for doing right. Um, I think that has to be hard. Uh, of course, because God, Jesus is already saying, listen, you're going to be persecuted. <laughs> so the first thing we got to get past is the persecution. And it's different when you're being persecuted for something you know you did wrong. Sometimes you can just kind of hold your head and say, okay, well, hey, I know I messed up. I know I was wrong. I deserve to kind of be persecuted. But to be persecuted when you don't deserve it 
or when, when to be birth, to be persecuted when you're actually doing the right thing. I think it ties in hand in hand uh, with with that what Dr. John was saying uh, right the verse right before um, to be a peacemaker um, and to be persecuted for doing the right thing is hand in hand. To say that it, it reminds me again of the the Martin Luther Kings and, and stuff like that uh, that were trying to do the right thing, but were still beaten, were still scarred, were still talked about, were still spat on, were still you know drugged through the streets, all of that. You get what I'm saying? Uh, so to read that and say that that's kind of like to the millennial saying, hey, if a police officer comes up and slap you, turn the other cheek. You get what I'm saying? Like that's the same. That, that's kind of equivalent. You know, to where you say, I'm doing the right thing. I'm, you know, I'm protesting for my people, for my rights and things like that. And I'm still being persecuted. I'm being put in jail. I'm doing, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm being looked at as if I'm an animal or uh, I'm somebody who can't be contained and stuff like that. Uh, that definitely, I, I believe that that has to be hard. And then to end that off with saying, well, for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. You get what I'm saying? So I think for... I think when it comes to young adults, the hardest thing to realize about the Beatitudes or to understand about the Beatitudes is, well, what exactly is the reward? I think that's the hardest thing for young adults to understand. It's like, okay, well, hey, you you keep saying that, hey, uh, at the end of it, I'm going to, the, for the, the, uh, the kingdom of God is at hand and the kingdom will be mine and this, 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 this. And it's like, well, hey, well, what is my reward now? Or is there a reward now? What is what exactly is, is are the Beatitudes saying about the reward of what I'm actually doing? So that that's a question that, that we can talk about or whatever. But I think I think when we when we really start to break down, okay, well, what is the reward or what does the reward look like? And I know we say, you know, we talked about earlier. Hey, you know, this is the way that Christians should live, and you know, this is just your everyday living, and da 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 da. But explaining that to a millennial, yeah, or saying that to a millennial, like, hey, you, yeah. you should just live like this. This, this just the way it's gonna be. Yeah, You're like what? You get yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. What you mean? This is just the way it's gonna be. So I think explaining or talking about what exactly the reward is uh, is a little bit uh, the most challenging thing for for young adults and millennials today. That kind of reminds me of the, the ideal that I heard a couple of um, young adults. We got into a conversation, and the idea was we started talking about Roots, the movie Roots, uh, in the barbershop. And uh, it was like, man, no, I can't be no slave, man. I wouldn't be no slave. I'm like, bro, do you really understand what that was like? Man, no, ain't nobody going to do it. I said, bro, that's because there's a lot of people that got beat for you. So that you can even say what you're saying. Yeah, right. so, yeah, that, that's tough. Dr. Jackson? I forgot what the question was. <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm sorry. That answer, that answer was so interesting because, uh, because I, Pastor John's answer as well as um, Minister Keenan's answer um, actually reflect um, a lot of um, what I was thinking and where I am, I think. Um, what I think when when this is just me when Christ was doing uh, when he did the beatitudes, he used steps, and each step got high, 
harder for us to, I mean, uh, spiritually for um, for us to climb, right? So um, the, the meek is a decision. Uh, being humble, that's a decision. I, I, I think um, merciful, believe it, believe it or not, this is, if someone has wronged you um, to the point where it hurts your very soul, and now you have an opportunity to pay them back. Will you exercise mercy and let them go? That's a good question. But it's something, but, and at that, if you can't do it unless you get to forgiveness. So, I mean, this, this whole beatitude, everything is all tangled um, together. You, you need the meekness and the humbleness so that you can be obedient, so that you can then be um, unforgiving, I mean forgiving, so that you can be merciful, you know. Um, and so, because right now, I'm having an issue with 45, I want them gone. So I have to talk myself down all the time and to, to, to say, Lord, I know you put him on there. Um, and you put it, you put him on the throne. He didn't get there by himself. You, I mean, you are in control. But I, I really have a problem with that man. And I don't know whether I'll be merciful if I saw him on a dark street and nobody was looking. So this is what I'm, this is this is just what I'm saying uh, about mercy when no one's looking. Yeah. Right? Yeah. At the end of the day, will you be able to? Be merciful. I love it. That's good. That's good. Amen. Amen. Okay, so now we've heard the toughest one. Uh, we talked a little bit about the most challenging of all of the Beatitudes. But like uh, Minister Brinson said, the reward. Is it like a carrot to a horse? Is it like the final out in a game? What's the reward? So there's something that caught your attention about this walk with Christ. And rather you know it or not, you did it because one of these beatitudes were already either in you or being fed through you. So now that you had a, we had a little bit of time to talk a little bit about the Beatitudes, which is your favorite Beatitude and why? We've always started out with Brother Dr. Harris, so we're going to come back to you again, Dr. Harris. Which is your favorite Beatitude and why? I think the whole idea of blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. That's it. That speaks to me. It's one of the reasons I was attracted to the church at five years old. The whole idea of seeing God and, and, and experiencing the goodness of God. And so being pure in heart, that can be experienced. I don't think there's a cookie cutter for that. Um, 
and sometimes pure in heart is putting people in their place, but still maintaining your witness. And so, which you do do so well, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so that that is for me, I think my favorite beatitude, because as I conform daily through word and deed, through my relationships, through my deployments, as I live that circumspect life, that careful life they told you about in the church covenant, you become more like Jesus, your discipleship. And I think the reward is you can see where you have grown um, from where you were Peter cutting off ears to now you're Peter preaching at Pentecost. You can see your own growth. And I think that's a great reward, but the ultimate reward is when heaven and earth is joined together as one, and then shall we be with the Lord forever. And so to see God, for me, is the, the greatest uh, of it. Bro, KB? <laughs> you see, Which you is your favorite? <laughs> <laughs> I know, you're so churchy. You're so churchy, boy. <laughs> around my hometown and stuff like that and kind of took off or whatever um, but I didn't really realize how this scripture was the reason why we were named what we were named the name of the group was pure in heart it's like pure in heart worshipers and I just I fell in love with that name I'm like you know because when you're worshiping God when you're in that moment where it's just you and God you feel like that's the purest moment for me I feel like that's the purest moment for me to be in that's the purest stance for me to be in uh, just to be in worship to say hey God you have all of me and that's what being pure is that all of me may be messed up all of me may be jacked up I may not have it all together but the pureness of it is you have all of me everything that I have to offer everything that I have to give is yours and, and for the for the beatitudes everything else is like oh well you guys will inherit the earth you guys will get the kingdom the kingdom of god da, 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 da. all that stuff for me can can that's that's good and fine that's great don't get me wrong it's great but if i can see god that trumped everything else no pun intended see that moment when you do. <laughs> I'll be honest with you, KB. I would love to be there. <laughs> you know me. You know me. <laughs> Pastor Jackson, what's your favorite and why?
gentleness is going to be second nature to you. Meekness and mercifulness. All and seeking and having a hunger for righteousness and a, you know, thirst. All that will be second nature if your heart's pure. And it's with a pure heart that we please God, right? Our heart is so important to us that God searches. He doesn't search anything else but our hearts. He searched the heart, and when he finished searching the hearts, he pulls on it. He tries the reins of the heart because the heart is so important. And so if we can get our hearts right, we can overcome any obstacle um, in this realm. That's why we're able to see God. If we've got a pure heart, and that's why that he reserved um, that presence just for those that have a pure heart. My goodness, my heart. I mean, I don't. Anyway, I don't want to get <laughs> See, KB, you didn't got her started now. <laughs> Trying to get excited. So that's my heart. Um, yeah, anyway. Okay. That's good. I want y'all to think about this. Um, tonight, we've had a great conversation about the Beatitudes. And, of course, it's just the tip of the iceberg. But if you would, start thinking about some final words that you would like to offer. Uh, maybe some things that we missed. Or maybe review something that was impactful to you. And we'll close it out at that point. For me it would be blessed are the peacemakers, right? Um, and I think I think it was KB who talked about um, the persecution. And peacemakers are servants. And um, I think for me, that's what I try to do because that's what God has called me to do is to be his servant. And so as I go around and go about, I always try to find uh, the two sides and build bridges um, so that those young adults that are out there that don't really realize who God is, I'm just trying to bring them to this side. 